0: Hey, it's Scott of Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders & Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when the founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture back startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars a year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks.
1: So when your troubles are mounting, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise.
0: Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Oh, Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Evan Marr of CoreWeave. Welcome, Evan.
1: Hey, we got the thank you. Uh, you got the name right. I'm very pretty Very pleased. <laughs> it's my seventh time on the podcast, and number seven. By God, we got it right.
0: We got it right. We got it right. I've learned. You're also my friend. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's actually like even more embarrassing. That's, that I whatever. That <laughs> You're Evan to me. So yeah. Um, well, hey man, since we last talked last year. You've got some very exciting announcements. Do you want to give give the folks sure. uh, the quick update on yeah. where you are, what you're doing?
1: I mean, when I first came on the podcast, I was at a company called SigFig, which is still doing great, rocking and rolling. For another four years, I was at Logical in the e-discovery space. Obviously, learned a lot there, made a lot of great friends. And, you know, actually, in January, we spoke uh, uh, personally as I was evaluating this job opportunity at CoreWeave. And you were very helpful in your uh, assistance, and just thinking about the opportunity, thinking about the offer and so on um so yeah no i joined a company called core weave we are uh i believe the largest uh, sub hyperscale gpu cloud in the united states um so for the non-hardware people the gpu is basically a a graphic processor unit and that's like a really versatile piece of uh, hardware it's basically anything here's the really layman's way of thinking about it anything cool like think of something cool a computer does the gpu is basically what's doing it and uh and so it processes graphics as the name suggests but it can also mine certain blockchains, uh, excuse me, not Bitcoin. All of uh, Bitcoin mining is, is typically done on ASICs, application-specific integrated circuits, which are like, they are very specialized hammers that do yeah. that hammer yeah. one kind of nail. GPU is very versatile, uh, can do a lot of different things well. And so what we do is, you know, the, the guys who founded a very smart uh, founding team um, who had come out of like commodity trading and they, you know, started as a hobby with like one GPU on a desk in their downtown Manhattan office, you know, over time, you know, during crypto winter, when asset price collapsed, a bunch of people were blown out their, their hardware. They very opportunistically acquired more and more and more and more GPUs to the point where I, I, I were the largest GPU cloud provider outside of, uh, you know, the GCP, Azure and AWS.
0: I love it. So yeah. basically you've got NVIDIA on the speed dial or they have you on the speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. And, we're in an a, someone partner. doesn't want to like yeah. buy a crazy amount of those. They can use your cloud. And do all the analysis, and it's it's amazing. It's probably an amazing uh, cost benefit for them, and probably convenience, right? Like, just makes spinning up GPU clouds like so much easier. I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- one thing our CTO always says. C- CTO is a funny guy. He, um, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he was on Bloomberg, and he's like, you know, we're not here for your 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 WordPress blog, you know, <laughs> like they, like I <laughs> honestly, we just don't make sense. I, AWS, uh, you know, and Azure, and those guys, they're built kind of to be all things to all people they're really built to be all things to almost all the people and 99 percent of that market like you know, honestly there there's a lot of software uh tools that they offer that are you know they try to make it as easy as possible to migrate to the cloud and uh they, they do do a great job there's like this one percent of the market and that market is you know trillions with a t right it's a massive compute market yeah and those guys for really accelerated like burst compute like really concentrated computational power like a video visual effects rendering pixel streaming which is just kind of like in browser rendering basically like we have a partnership with epic games the unreal engine like so for like immersive okay that makes sense yeah yeah, immersive in browser web experiences with rendering in real time that's very compute intensive um batch processing we have a customer that takes our gpus and you know folds a complex protein molecule on itself 50 million ways to see how that would impact early stage drug discovery yeah and then aiml uh, uh, ops, you know, anything with like we have a, a, a customer who serves 60, 70 million unique uh, text messages uh, per, per month in a sort of like, kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons type game, and and you basically say to the, you know, via SMS what you want to do in the game, and it doesn't like query a stock database of 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 decision nodes, it's like no, no, it, the AI engine responds in real time, like okay, you attack the dragon, the dragon breathes fire, That's I mean, awesome. whatever
0: yeah, so it's it's pretty cool stuff I love the protein folding stuff because I remember I did like investment banking and we did some investing at lighthouse and like biotech companies. And it was always like, you could do the genome, but you couldn't do like proteins. The, com- right. the compute requirements were so like a thousand X or whatever, maybe 10,000 X. I don't even actually really know. Right. So that's pretty amazing to me that like, we're sitting here in 2021 and of 2021 and your company can enable that now. Like that's that's super cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't take any credit for it. Obviously, I just count the beans. But um, <laughs> but like, I mean, we had we were given a ton of free compute away to people who were working on using AIML to to you know for COVID research, for example. So that's awesome. and when you start hearing about what these people are doing with just like incredibly like. I mean, we all know, like, the the phones that we have in our pockets are, like, 10,000 times more powerful than the computer that put Apollo 11 on the moon, which is a little bit – that breaks your brain when you really think about it. But, like, the things that people are doing with AIML, like, the world's going to be, like, very different for my son when he's, you know, 20 than when I was 20. I mean, I I just – it's going to be almost unrecognizable.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Also, like, are you doing any – I always thought, like, autonomous vehicles – Use a lot of like GPU stuff. Is that is that some some place that you guys play too?
1: You know, I uh, I don't believe we currently have any customers in that use case. I I believe, and I'll probably get my wrist slapped for talking out of turn uh, because I'll probably just be totally wrong. But I think that their their usage uh, consistency is, it's sufficiently consistent and and large that I think they they have their on prem uh you know oh, servers themselves sense. uh yeah, yeah 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 also those guys are so well funded that they can build a server farm and it's, it's fine you know <laughs> but um yeah, but yeah 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 they, yeah, they, do. yeah. they don't need to, to share a cloud no.
0: what so you guys so the other good news is core we've just had a very exciting announcement Do you want to share with the with sure the audience? yeah
1: we raised uh we raised a big round from magnetar capital we raised uh 50 million dollars from those guys and um if there's one thing like I've, I've had, a, I've been really lucky in my career. I've worked with some fabulous founding teams and you know what these guys have managed to do in terms of being incredibly scrappy and bootstrappy and to get to where they got to in 2021 on really not a whole lot of money, effectively self-funding is borderline miraculous. Yeah. And so now the time is like, well, the unit economics are so attractive that it's time to pour gas on the fire, staff up, you know, the stuff that, you know, when you're building the company, you're kind of it's duct tape and bailing wire. It's it's MVP, you know, minimum viable product. And and now the time is like, all right, let's. It's time to it's time to put steel in the ground, so to speak. Really build the infrastructure. I love it. You know, part of that is on the accounting and HR and legal and risk side, the stuff that falls under the office of the CFO. But also just on the end side, you know, like like they they really built products that VFX studios that make movies and shows that you've seen, like rely on. But like to to, to think of what they've accomplished, yeah. Prior to be getting on board. And now to be able to throw, you know, to deploy tens of millions of dollars to scale it is pretty exciting.
0: Well, I remember when you were interviewing there, and you're right. Like, I just from like the stories you were you were talking about, like they they had to. It was kind of a capital intensive business too. They had to be pretty smart about how they finance the company and finance like all the GPU purchases.
1: So yeah. it's, it's amazing yeah, it's,
0: how far they've made it.
1: It's not like enterprise SaaS, which is where I spent a lot of my time previously. It's um, you know, enterprise SaaS. Like I don't know. Add up all your your SaaS customers' fixed assets; it's less than ours. Like, Garrett, yeah. you, you yeah. got like
0: 500 customers, yeah. and
1: unless someone capitalized the ping pong table, it's like you know, there's no <laughs> there's no fixed assets, right? So that's that's definitely new to me. It's also new to me working at a, a you know at a profitable cash flowing company like you know Silicon Valley. It's like, hey, NOLs for days, baby. You yeah. know, like I would, you know, but like you know, actually managing your tax liability just strategically—that's a new challenge for me as a CFO and it's, you know, I like learning new stuff. So that's I would think fun. so,
0: but also yeah. it's a cool, I remember I, you know, we talked briefly and you, you were, you were a cruise client for a while about how much, how like exciting it was for you as a CFO to be able to put like a lot of infrastructure in place and kind of build it how you want it. So what, like yeah. when you, when you come through the fundraising and all of a sudden you've got like cash and the company's profitable, like what, did you have like a mental checklist or what were the things that you were oh. Systems-wise, yeah, you were looking at that you want to get in place.
1: Oh, it's just a you know, just a couple small things like <laughs> uh, like billing system, ERP, you know, uh, payment processor. All of this needs to talk to the CRM. Currently, they do not. That's a problem. Any tax, you know, collection nexus evaluation, like you know, remission software like Avalara or TaxJar. Yep. On the expense side, probably something like Airbase, Divi, Ramp, one of those. Yep. I'm, I'm really excited about the. You know, I think they're all converging to oh, sure. what Airbase is doing, which is like all three legs of your non-payroll spend. So T&E, credit, corporate cards, and a traditional AP, you know, so a Bill.com killer, an Expensify killer, and a, you know, Amex or Brex, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, and if they're not, like the guys at Brex and and Ramp and all these companies are smarter than I am, but, you know. But I would assume that they are following the path of we have to offer all three because
0: that's that's the greatest value. Yeah, you're so totally I kind of assume right. they're, they're all, all gonna converge to that singularity. They're all converging, they're all gonna be mirror products. I think what's what's cool about Airbase, and I'm a tiny, tiny, tiny investor in Airbase, is they have the integrations with some of the um the bigger banks or credit card companies. Yeah, um totally agree. And they oh, by the
1: way, I had the opportunity to invest in Airbase through a, a group that we're involved in, and I just the timing was bad, and I didn't have it. I'm throwing this out to Air, Airbase. I'll be coming. Reopen the round to me. I'll invest now. We'll <laughs> be like, it will be like, it'll be like a five thousand dollars check. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, totally. Honestly, I really love what they're doing.
0: Yeah, but so. they, but it's, but it, you're right. Like Brex Ramp, Bill dot com slash Divi. They're all. You. It sounds like I've actually made some videos on this because it's, it's actually fascinating oh, cool. to me. And meanwhile, like amex is still impossible for us to use as a a accounting firm with 600 clients like uh, believe me we wish we could just get like rip and replace every amex client we have get get them out of of that because it's such old school software and like the connections break or we get locked out like all the time and it looks like i don't blame the clients like sometimes they're like are you guys incompetent it's like no, you're using like a terrible software solution that we tried to talk you out of five times. Yeah. And so it's just just a total innovator or group of innovators coming into the market, just going to smack. Like, I don't know if you saw, but we published a bunch of credit card um, market share data and it got like people, people got upset. People got happy, (laughs) depending on which side of it you're on. But like Amex and Chase have lost just, I think like 30% or 40%. Of the market share within cruise clients, it's cr- it's crazy what's happening because they just have crappy systems, you know. So yeah. it's it's a fun time to be putting this stuff in place for you because you can do it right, and it's going to be like the most, you know, it's going to save you a lot of time, and yeah. you probably won't have to hire like an extra staff accountant then. you That's, need to, yeah. you know, it's amazing. yeah. The, the
1: ROI is very clear. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, do you, uh, other than your bias as a as a uh, investor in everybody, like do you do you like like I, I've actually heard great things at Ramp. About Ramp. We were onboarding Ramp just as I was leaving Logical. Yeah. And they, they rave about it. They really like it. I, I don't think they have all three legs of the stool just yet, but I, I think that was in their roadmap. Maybe it's, I, I might be off by the way. Yeah.
0: Well, first of all, stay tuned for a future podcast with the Ramp exec team because I've already scheduled that. Um, oh, sweet. But yes, we actually like them a lot. They came, the, <clears throat> the story I like to tell is Brex came, this is turning into like a credit card podcast, but yeah, that's fine. Brex that's fine. came out of nowhere, probably maybe five years ago now. yep. And we were a little skeptical, frankly, because it was a startup and, you know, credit card. And, sure. and I'll never forget Michael Tannenbaum, their CFO, came to our office multiple times and met with us and was like, just give it a try. And Michael was at SoFi and I had been an investor in SoFi, small investor in SoFi. And so I had like this, I knew he knew what he was doing and I could background check him and everything. And so we started doing it and it got rid of this, amex capital one chase problem for us and so we we really went whole hog on brex and ramp came out and it looked like kind of like a me too product at the time it did look like that at first yeah Yeah. but they've actually executed really really well their tech roadmap has gotten really really good and so uh, they're getting they're both kind of getting to parity with each other and adding each other features and and then airbase um we had been talking airbase for a long time and they were leading more they i think they kind of They had this like amazing asset in the software system they had built, but were Mm -hmm. caught kind of talking about cards too much. And they pivoted that message over like a year period and the market loved, you know, loved the software system message. And that's what allowed them to raise around and has made them successful. Um, So it's those three plus and build.com saw what was happening. So they bought Divi. And so it's oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bill.com owns Diddy. And then Expensify came out with cards too. Expensify, for those that don't know, had actually started as a virtual credit card company like 12 years ago. No one wanted it. So he pivoted the company to expense reports that people did want. Right. Which meanwhile, the market came all the way around. So it's a cool market. It's definitely going to be like an awesome business case study for, you know, people in the future, but we actually work with all of them. I'll end up writing
1: it. You know, I'll probably, you know that I still write case studies. Do you really? Oh, you should
0: totally, I mean. Kellogg and HBS. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be cool. But, um, so you guys, and then you guys are looking at like a bit, what ERP, what are you looking at and what's the decision criteria?
1: Yeah, NetSuite Intact. um, Those are the two, you know, I always try to have my, (laughs) this is like my, it's like the Irish Catholic guilt in the back of my head. If I know. I don't, I always feel like I'm not doing my job and earning my cha- paycheck unless I, unless I get three vendors, I need three proposals, yeah. then I know I'm not getting rooked, but it's like, are you really like, sometimes it's just Coke, Pepsi, you, you don't need to throw RC Cola in just to get a bid from RC Cola. You <laughs> like, could you throw know? like work day
0: in there, but that would be like, so overkill, that, you know? Yeah.
1: That's massive overkill yeah. and something like, you know, financial force should be a great project. Like if you own the CRM piece and Salesforce owns it, let's. Make no doubt about it. I have a love-hate relationship with Salesforce. Currently, the uh, the version that was instantiated at CoreWeave is actually done right from the beginning, but most companies, that's not the case. Yeah, and yeah, certainly yeah. not. You, we've talked about it. it. was a massive pain point. Illogical. Just a bad foundation. Very hard to build a house on it. On, you know. But if you own that piece of the stack, logically, it ought to be easier for you to like offer an, an ERP that just like w- goes together like peas and carrots with the CRM that everyone uses, but they haven't been able to do it. I know. I think it's just...
0: It, there's some things that just aren't in the DNA, yeah. and
1: that's just not in their DNA. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? They'll probably have to buy someone or something like that. I uh, I keep an eye on them too. Because yeah. I've also thought they should just build a QuickBooks competitor because they've got all that data. Yeah. Um, but they'll, you know, who knows? Who knows what they'll do? Yeah. Um, so intact, yeah, and, and NetSuite. NetSuite are intact. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Scott Orn, and we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the Cruz tax team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house tax team, I can't even tell you. Uh, We have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over, I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits, those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence A lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff and the law firm they hired to diligence all your stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And, uh, and not, it's not just Vanessa, we have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's, it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruise's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com Thanks. We don't use Netsuite that much, but it's usually for clients that are kind of transitioning out of cruise. Transitioning, we'll, like yeah, the so we'll get them like the uh, last six months. We'll get them up and running on it, and still work to do. But they'll be bringing their accounting in house at that point, anyways. But like yeah. we don't, we don't really do much Intact. What do you, what are you seeing as the differences between the two?
1: I think that they are very close to product parity. I think Netsuite had two advantages over Intact, which is like they, they were a private company longer, you know. They were founded before Intact, obviously, and they were, I think, and I by the way, someone could check, fact check this and be like, oh, no, it's not really as much. But anyway, I think that they were a private company longer before um, they getting acquired by NetSuite. So they had more, NetSuite was independent before its Oracle acquisition for longer than Intact was independent before its Sage acquisition. And I think NetSuite has had more time since that acquisition with big company resources than Intact has had with Sage resources. So I think that there's a little bit of a head start, but... As a species, we've figured out how to write accounting software. Now, there's a debit <laughs> and there's a credit. And it's kind of you know, what you see is what you get, you know? So, I, honestly, I think if you put them on two screens next to each other, if, as long as you, you know, removed any branding, I literally, I, yeah. I'm going to look at an AR ledger and they're going to look identical. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look at my PL by month and they're going to look almost identical. Because, again, we've just figured out how to write accounting software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so I'll say two things. You know, uh, NetSuite, I think, I think Intact has mostly closed the gap on product functionality, but I do. There's probably a little bit of a gap. I I don't know if it's two percent or five percent or ten percent, and and uh, you know, uh, but it's it's there's a little bit. But I do like that Intact has the. They have a little bit of that I don't know. I'm dating myself because I'm, I'm old. But if you remember the ad campaigns from the '80s, like Avis, we're number two. We try harder. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. if you're not the leader in the space, you kind of have to. Yeah. And like NetSuite's got a lot of great things going for it. Had it not that I'm, I know your marketing guy gets gets mad when I say negative thing. I'm trying to stay very positive here. <laughs> Scott, but had a slightly negative experience with the NetSuite, just service tier teams. It was really hard to instantiate and blah, blah, blah. blah. It's been part of Oracle for a
0: while, too. You know, it's
1: like, you know. But my contact there, who originally sold me NetSuite four or five years ago at, at Logical, He's great, and he actually got promoted to sales manager, and he actually also moved to Denver. So he's like 20 oh. minutes away from me now, and he's great. And honestly, it does make life easier when you're talking to somebody. Like I had a very candid conversation with him yesterday. Like, hey, man, it, uh, it, we're on the fence. Ultimately, price is a big driver. It's not the only driver, but like, you know, and if, if we can get a bid from – because it's going to be more expensive to instantiate NetSuite. In, Intact kind of does that kind of on the house. Oh, um, and they have a good reputation for it. Whereas NetSuite's sweet success team, I, you know, I'll just say on the Operators Guild email list that we're a member of, the less said
0: of, yeah, of the sweet success team. you always team, want to use like a third party consultant for that. It, Imple- exactly. We, and that's going mean, to cost more money. Do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, that's going to cost more money. But like, I, I you know, it, it helps to just have a be able to have a very candid conversation. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm still awaiting a kind of one thing I hate about ERP pricing is that it's sort of like the new relic pricing, which is like, OK, what's the real price? And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, our rack rate is 150 per server per month. And I'm like, yes, I know no one pays that. And then like, well, but for you, special deal. And it's like. Oh, really? Am I Did getting the special deal account? or am I getting
0: the first tier it's, down deal? Yeah, you know? This
1: is the Joseph A. Bank pricing yeah, model, And yeah, I hate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I like I like companies that put the price up on the wall and say, hey, take That's it. That's what it costs. It. But, you know. yeah, 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 yeah.
0: The other thing I wanted to cover with you was the fact that you're a remote full-time CFO. It feels like yeah. the market has gotten comfortable with like, you know, cruise is an example of this. Like we're remote, or you know, people don't ex- don't really we used to tell people this, like, you probably don't want us to come to your office and waste a bunch of time, and, and it waste a lot yeah. of our team's time. or less productive, and people, most people believed us until COVID, and then now everyone believes us. But you're doing it full-time, which I, I yep. 100% believe in, but I kind of want to hear, like, your experience, and also how did you convince the management team, or were they already just super – cool with remote and just wanted to find the best CFO they could find kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think um, COVID changed. Like, I would have probably said, yeah, you can't have a leadership team that's geographically far flung. And then COVID just like, oh, like forced us to try something. And it's like, oh, it turns out it really works. My commute is 90 90 steps. Yeah. It it works.
0: Well, you and I are both in the same point in life with like small children too, where like every 15 minutes you can get at home is actually – Better for your relationship and better for your kid and happier for you, you know? Totally.
1: Yeah. And they already had a founder who was in Montana. Mm. um, And the company's headquartered in New Jersey. That's where the rest of the, you know, brain trust is. Controller's now in Austin and CFO in Boulder. And, you know, I just think post-COVID it works. You know, the data's there. You know, if you're, I mean, if I was like not showing up to work, you know, like, you know, (laughs) that would be a different, you know, different issue. But, you know, I do.
0: So it works out. Yeah, it works out fine. (laughs) Did you have any, like, were you nervous about it? Like, oh, man, I might not be able to get these people's attention or I can't storm in someone's office or was it you were just good with it, too?
1: I don't do a lot of office storming, (laughs) Uh, you know, even pre-COVID. I'm being dramatic. um, No, I get it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I think by the time I started with these guys, COVID was already one year old. It was just it didn't even enter my mind because it was so clear that we were going to be a remote only yeah like my last company logical within three weeks of COVID in, in april of 2020 closed down the san francisco office and immediate and went and the ceo moved to bend oregon <laughs> so, like, so like and said we will never have another physical office again well, maybe that's true maybe it's not yeah but yeah. uh but but for the time being fully remote all the time so i i had already you know last year like we left san francisco in october with a four-month-old baby. We were in a 700-square-foot rent-controlled apartment for like 11 years. And we, like, crazily drove cross-country. We drove to Boulder, Colorado, spent a month there. We drove to Austin, Texas, spent a month there. Went to New Orleans, spent a month there. And we were going to go to the East Coast to so, so that Jude, my son, could finally meet his grandparents. But then the Delta variant oh, warmed up. God. And meanwhile, we had fallen. We were evaluating mostly Austin and Boulder vis-a-vis each other. I don't, I, New Orleans, great to visit. Don't know we were ever going to seriously consider moving there and uh you know and and so we we fell in love with boulder fell in love with this house and um you know so then we went back from new orleans to boulder and bought this house and here we are so so at that point i was like kind of you know an itinerant nomad of the financial landscape and it it just kind of i was only looking at jobs that you know that 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 were going to be remote and frankly most people had already gotten gotten there psychologically
0: i remember you're doing that tour and that actually was very you were a great role model for me Cause oh. we were in San Francisco and needed to change things up. Like we moved to the burbs too and I'm loving it. It's like, it's well, so easy and plenty of space it, and green stuff space to look at good. and no, yeah. no freezing wind. Uh, yeah. San Francisco or you know it's like oh my god this is so nice so thank you for being a good role model for oh, me and I remember you well, did you're trying out the multiple cities And I was like that's really smart. yeah A&B I mean testing. it was wild
1: I don't I don't recommend driving across country with a four-month-old no, baby but no, it no, out. that's tough that's tough and um you know and honestly like here's the thing a lot of people when they hear you move from San Francisco they like they think they just assume that's an invitation to like talk shit about san francisco and i'm like you you keep san francisco's name out your mouth i miss san francisco every day my wife doesn't my, wife, my wife's more of a country person i'm more of a city person but san francisco is the only city i ever want to live in. Like, i didn't want to move to seattle or you know uh my hometown even of boston or or denver like no I, if i want to live in a city it's san francisco i've always thought seattle was th-
0: pretty cool i enjoyed going there
1: oh it's beautiful uh, yeah. don't get me i love visiting that place but yeah. like to me San Francisco is the city. It always will be. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, it's a great place. So I miss it every day, but I don't miss like living in a 700 square foot apartment. Yeah. Having neighbors that are a pain in the neck that are right up above and next to me. and all of it. You know, it's you know, So I don't miss all that, but I do miss, you know, do I miss cruising around San Francisco on my motorcycle? Absolutely. i miss missed the restaurants. I've missed my friends, but you know, I got a son and he gets to look out at a lake in the Rocky mountains. So you know it the works other thing out, is, you know?
0: I, which we experienced immediately when we moved to the Burbs was, um, the the um density of young families and like oh, yeah. and part of it was covid so we were in COVID. we were our daughter was you know born a, a year and a half after covid or a year after covid but we never really yeah. got to do a lot of play dates and things like that and oh uh, yeah yeah and then we got out here and that was kind of also when things were lifting and things like that we're back in another cycle with the new variant but but yeah. um but having like young families around you everywhere is very nice and it's it's, I can tell it's good for my daughter and, you know, so it's, that's also been the nice thing. It's not really San Francisco's fault that there are not a lot of young families there, but it's exactly. nice. Yeah. To, you know, where we moved has that. So it's, it's, it's been a good quality of life improvement. Yeah.
1: I would say one other thing that's just like, you can't control for this, you know, like you can't, like, you can't control for who your in-laws end up being when you fall in love. Like, you know, like I would say a huge part of why we are so happy here is that we just have these next door neighbors. They were over here last night for cocktails who are just like. Amazing, like they're—they have like five kids, like (laughs) two of them sometimes watch Jude. So shout out the Mueller's, but you can't—you can't know that when you're home shopping. Yeah, the neighbor's going to be jerks or they're going to be great. And in our case, like they're our community. They're, you know, and so like shout out Mueller's and. uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, but you can't do diligence that when you buy a house, you just hope to get lucky, and we
0: got really lucky. Gotta get lucky, but it makes a big yeah. difference. It's really nice. Absolutely. Um, so. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you spending time doing the annual sure. podcast. I think this one That's was good, good. especially yeah, you know. all the systems talk. And I'm really happy for you. You found like a great company, and um, it's the world is going GPU. The world is going GPU crazy. Basically, you couldn't be in a yeah. better spot. So wild. Kudos yeah, to you. Well, thank Kudos you. to the manager team for hiring you, oh, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys accomplish. I
1: appreciate it. I would say I think Scott is too humble. He wasn't recording earlier on when I was uh, just uh, you know uh, thanking uh, Cruz for a, a job really well done. We were not in their ideal customer profile. We're a little bit. We were a bit. we were, I'll just say it. We were paying the ass. Uh, <laughs> but they did great. To, they did exactly what I needed to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buzz market Cruz. Thank uh, you. They 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 got me through 2021 to the point where I can instantiate a net suite or or intact or whatever else so I, i'm thankful for that so i uh, want to sneak that in at the end
0: our pleasure and great working with you and uh i'm, I'm excited man you're in a good spot and i can't wait to see what you like the company is gonna this is gonna be a big company i can i can tell the, oh, the, fingers the crossed. giant yeah. hedge fund that gave you money was very smart that's a good investment.
1: yeah i, I don't think that you get to 12 billion in assets by
0: being dumb so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know you never know all right buddy have, cool. take care happy holidays and uh we'll see you in 2022 your trouble's
1: are mountain, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise, Cruise, Founders and Friends, it's Cruise Consulting, Founders and Friends with your host Scotty